You are with us for episode 11 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. I am uh, very excited about tonight. Hi, guys. Uh, this is... Uh, we're, we're out of the, the 1 to 10 uh, episodes. We're now in 11 on our way to 20, and this is our first foray into uh, shooting video. So bear with us as we figure this out. Um, very excited about tonight for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm a musician and I'm a music fan. And um, one of the gentlemen here, Aaron Brown, who's uh, joined by his cohort, Bradley Barnum, was the very first customer of my restaurant, St. James, oh, yeah. six years ago. No we way. did a soft opening during, uh, during our art crawl here in Hamilton, and you stumbled up to the front, and it was my wife helping out on cash, and you were the first person to order food here. No that idea. Yeah. And uh, you've been faithful ever since, bringing your friends, and, uh, and it's an honor to have you here as a friend, obviously, but to have you guys talking about... Uh, Likely the most important thing in your life right now is outside of family and, and you know, real things is the pursuit of music. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, we have the brain trust of the band family of things. Aaron Brown and Bradley Barnum, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an me. honor to have you guys. Now, I, I mentioned before we started recording that uh, I have been doing a deep dive obviously into your music so I know what I'm talking about but uh, it went from deep dive and uh, critical listening and homework to actually becoming a bona fide fan um, and I was joking like most musicians were, were critics and we don't like to be fans of other bands that aren't out there when you have like peers like well they're pretty good but but, but I felt myself kind of loosening the uh, the rod intention of of being competitive and actually, well, man, these guys are these guys are really really good. Um, and before we hop into the interview, I just I just was thinking through a jump off point and how um, stressful it is to me to think about being a part of two piece band. I look at bands like the obvious bands. Well, there's a Canadian band called the Inbreds. They had a couple of minor hits, and then there's the obvious the White Stripes, and then there's uh, Royal Blood. A lot of guys don't do it well though. And the idea of not having a posse to back you up uh, and tour with and kind of go through the pratfalls of growing as a band always seemed very terrifying to me, just being two people. Um, and then I watched your performance at the uh, Cookbook Studios. Yeah. And um, I couldn't help but thinking about a quote that I love by Albert Einstein. It goes as follows. If you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it well enough. The reason why I say that is because I watched the two of you play six different instruments during the song Hurt. You played a prophet, synth, uh, a piano, an upright piano, and you, were you on an organ? So I was on a Rhodes, a piano, a bass synth, and a prophet. Right. Nice prophet, by the way. And you were on patches, an acoustic kit, and then I think you were on some kind of, you like a, like a mini Moog synth or what were you yeah, doing i had a op1 okay was like running samples uh yeah drum kit drum pad and then threw in some trumpet on on some of it as well i was um first of all that's my favorite song hurt no hurt uh harm, harm. uh and then i saw you guys reimagine it just the two of you and uh that was impressive thank you, thank uh, you. it's not um there's the old adage that if it sounds good on an acoustic guitar, it's a good song because you can do anything to it on top of that. It's kind of like, I'm like, my God, this, it, it's working. It's so good. Uh, I saw Tori Amos swivet between two pianos live in concert. I don't see that a lot. And I watched you guys 
make a song sound like five humans were playing it, but it was the two of you. Kudos to you. Thank you for that. So, so you've um, you've taken the sting and the worry out of um, uh, being a two-piece because clearly you're doing okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that long-winded intro, uh, again, welcome. First thing I always want to get into when I'm talking to any kind of creative is the genesis of your story. I um, will we'll go one at a time. Uh, Bradley, we'll start with you because you sing. Um, and I mentioned before, I, I'm a fan of your voice, man. There's a, there's a really beautiful tension in your voice and you're, you, you're, you do just enough. Mm. Um, and there's something about you that reminds me of uh, early Tears for Fears. I don't. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, nice. uh, uh, Roll endorsable. Uh, just there's a. I'm hearing some I, Howard Jones I know in there. It's something I know. It's something to do with that. That uh, there's a there's a warmth and like a. Uh, it's like a the palate lifts really yeah. high. Oh, that yes. kind of sound that I sometimes engage in. That some of those singers back in the '80s, which I love. Thank you. Which I'm a huge new wave nerd. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm totally kissing your asses too much already. But uh, <laughs> we don't uh, mind. We don't. Uh, mind. Okay, so just just for just for reference sake, in terms of when you grew up, how old are you guys? We were born in '92. So okay, we were 29. Okay, I was in grade nine in 1992. <laughs> we won't talk about that. Uh, just just starting to grow my hair and get into guitar and Nirvana. Um, so, tell me about those those moments where music grabbed you by the by the neck and and shook you and brought you down where you are right now. Wow, it's an unfair question. What a place to start, but yeah. I but I appreciate. Let's that. go to the beginning, man, because it, it, most musicians have a pretty mm-hmm. prolific story with that moment. Mm-hmm. Let me just think for a second here. My oh. life has been. Uh, just one beautiful musical time after another. Since I was a kid, uh, I was the kind of kid who uh, you'd, uh, I'd be in my, my high chair at, at the birthday party. And this is a true story. So when I was two, I was sitting in, a, in the high chair and uh, everybody sang me happy birthday on my birthday. And the next, so, and then they turned, the, you know, they turned the lights off for the candles and they turned the lights on. And the next night I was sitting in that high chair and they did the same thing, light off. And let on, and I sang the mel- and I, and I kind of hummed the melody as a two-year-old. Wow! And every you can talk to anybody, remember the family who was there, and they say that you know it was in tune, it was confusing. <laughs> they didn't, you know, right. to, to hear a child do this thing. And so for me, there was this, there was this uh, innate connection to music uh, since I was before I can even before I was even sentient. <laughs> before I even do you have it. perfect pitch? Uh, I have a close to it. I have, what I what I'd call is what I call it is uh, the best kind of relative pitch because okay. I think. Perfect pitch can get you in a bind. It's annoying. Yeah. It's, it's you like notice a, something's out a couple cents and you're going to go wild yeah, for it, me. Yeah, it's like manic. I can adapt. If I hear one pitch, I can then find where we right. are for the rest of the day. I worked with a guy one time for a Christmas concert and he was he was uh, testing the, the harmonics and the pitch of the room. Wow. I was like, yeah, this no is thanks. too much. Anyway, no on to you. For that. Yeah. yeah, back to you. Yeah, so, I, so from when I was a kid, it was always like there was this, uh, I don't even want to call it, pressure because I didn't feel it as a hindrance. I felt it as an empowerment. Like okay. I was a musician and I loved it. And I further for my whole life I never once doubted that's what I was, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so going through through elementary school, going through high school, I found lots of opportunities where I could expand uh, as a performer. So I was in music theater for cool. a lot. You know, I studied lots of classical piano. Uh, I, I sang lots of I sang lots of my own music. I was, uh, you know, I was in little bands as we as I went on. I was in the jazz band, so I was looking for these opportunities to expand. And then I went to university, um, and my my dream and my passion was film score music. Really? 
I wanted to be a composer. I loved composition. I loved the idea of facilitating a space musically, creatively. And so then I went to Western University for my undergrad and I studied composition because I thought composition school meant I would lead on to do beautiful music in that regard. But then what I found out, what I found out is that film or that composition school uh, at universities typically is pretty avant-garde music, right? So it's like you're finding yourself in a classroom with people who are writing music that I can't relate to. Right. Beauty is behind the things I do. And, and I'm not, I used to, I was confused during those years because I thought of it as a hint, as, as a problem that I wanted to make beautiful things, aesthetically mm -hmm. pleasing and um, evocative things in that way. Right. A lot of people, you know, of the modern composition days are making this music that is maybe fascinating intellectually. High art. It's high art, but it doesn't fulfill me. Right. And I can't escape from that. Well, you're a sucker for I'm, a melody. I'm sucker, sucker for, for a hook. Yeah. And I'm sucker for chords. I mean, yeah. we can get into that a little later, but everything I do comes from the chords that it's based around. So you're 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 a step above the average gigging musician. You you come from an orchestral background with like theory, and you're if we're a regular army, you would be special forces. <laughs> you, you got a couple more notches on I the. Suppose, uh, I suppose you could put it that way. You see things in a very different kind of matrix. That's 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 wild. Well, put it this way: maybe I don't see it in a different way. Maybe I just saw it in I saw it in the way that a lot of musicians do, but then I found a way to maybe expand on that. Right. Right, I had the love that so many people have, and, the, and I was lucky enough that I had some skill that I could really get into some good programs. So then, after I composition school, I did a very kind of uh, uniquely rare program. I, I did a master's in conducting. So oh. I went, I went to the University of Toronto, which is one, one of the best schools for the for that for that art. Wow! Uh, and I was one of um, like six people in the program, and the other five were. 40 or older, they had had 10 years of experience before. And I was advised when I applied, it was like, you know, you can apply, no problem. And I knew the the, the, the mentor. She was like, she, she really liked me. She was like, you know, I would love for you to apply. I just want to be clear. We don't accept people who don't have at least five years experience. And I went, thanks, I'm still going to apply. Right. So I applied and I had my audition. It was a full day. Wow. I'm talking eight hour hot audition. Like a Juilliard audition. It was pretty much like that. And uh, I, I got the call the next day saying, we're going to take a chance on you and, wow. and, and accept you. And I, and I got to conduct orchestras in the city. I conduct some of the best choirs in, in Canada. And Good I, for you. And so now I work, uh, now I find myself uh, as a music director, long, long time later, you know, I've worked at the cathedral down the yeah. road. Yeah. Christ Church Cathedral as a music conductor there. And now I'm now at St. Catherine's at the Anglican Church there at St. George's as the music director. And so there's this part of my life that I, that I find myself... Uh, fascinated and inspired by this classical form that uh, doesn't necessarily impact our music uh, in, a, in a intrusive way, right. but it definitely impacts it in a subtle way. Right. And, and Aaron can get to his experience next, where it, what he comes from is very different than me, mm -hmm. but they combine into something so unique. It makes sense to me because there's, um, uh, like, again, I'm gonna reference the song Harm a lot because I feel like Harm, is, and you may disagree with me, but as an outside perspective, I'm gonna hear things maybe that you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, you know your 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 ambient guitar part, your lead part mm -hmm. on that song. There's you're you're taking you're taking melodic choices that are fairly orchestral. Yeah. There were there were spots where I'm like, oh, that was good. Oh, he did he just added that little nuance yeah. there. Didn't he didn't need it, but it but it works. It works. Um, okay, so before we hop on to my boy Aaron over here, so it's it's very apparent that music uh, is kind of embedded in your DNA. So there's a through line constantly. Yeah. But what I want to know is what was that um, aha moment? What was that? Give, give me a song or a video where you're like, oh my God, 
I'm wrecked. I'm forever changed. <laughs> like for me, it was the first time I heard you two's oh, with or without you. I'm Love like, it. I know where I was wearing, the car I was in, where I was on the road. Like that was a moment. Love it. Give me a moment. First of all, you two, huge, ex- in, like yeah. with or without you, seeing them live. I saw them at the 360 tour. Me too. When, and, oh yeah. yeah. And when he, and I was probably, you know, 11 or something when he came out with that, with or without you. Yeah. I think he went into Amazing Grace at the concert that I saw. Too. I'm getting shivers right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about yeah. it. He yeah. sang Amazing Grace a cappella. Anyways, blew my mind. Yeah. But that wasn't the moment for me. As you can imagine, uh, somebody who does, you know, I find that we are inspired by the people who do things very similarly to us if yes. we're musicians, right? So for me, you know, I'm singing in a high, I'm singing in Bono's range. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm playing piano. So you can imagine who those people might have been for me. It was Elton, it was Billy. Nice. Right? Right, and later on it was Cold Chris Martin, Coldplay, nice. Keen, the yes. guys, the guys who like owned it at the piano, and they showed us, you know, after decades of electric guitar yeah. raining, it was like actually, you know, we can do this as well, and you know, even Paul McCartney, yeah. you know, all everybody, everybody who was sitting at that instrument and just playing, and so for me the moment was when I first got a record player. Uh, my parents got me a little like you know a little portable guy. And they gave me all their old records. And what do you think was on the top? It was The Stranger by Billy Joel. Mm. And I put on that record and I heard uh, Moving Out. Right. Which is movie scoreish as well. Movie scoreish. Yeah. It's evocative. It's kind yeah. of, it has this like piano lead. And I, find, and I felt this moment of uh, freedom. Like, oh, wait, this is so cool. And I can hear myself doing that. So I listened to that record. That was in like maybe late high school, early university. And and I used to listen, listen to it every night, and I then I and I bought more records, and I got engaged in music in that kind of that new way of of realizing that maybe I could do it yeah. in this way or slightly like this. So it was relatable. So I grabbed on. It's I love I love the moments where you it's finding music from your parents. It's like stealing their really great leather jacket and sneaking oh, yeah. it out to school. It's yeah, like it, like, it, it like I remember finding Zeppelin going. I sh- am I allowed to listen to this? This yeah. is my parents' music, but oh, oh, so it's much so good. Yeah. Uh, so, or Super Tramp for me. That was another right. Huge. And and now that you say Keen and and Chris Martin, yep. I get it. I hear it. The DNA is, is showing up. Uh, my man. Um, yeah. So, first of all, I just want to say you guys are doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, might, there might be a there might be a side hustle uh, podcast here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing good at coing it. Um, do you have a degree in music, Aaron Brown? I do. Do you? Yeah, I amazing, do. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I do. Uh, the other thing I'll say is I won't slap the table as much because all I can think about <laughs> as a producer is like, oh man, was I slapping? So many edits here. Like, yeah. was I slapping? Just a little bit. I try to be as free form with my edits as possible. I should probably stop chomping on gum too. I Thank you. Yeah, no, I went to I went to school. Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to go back as far? as... Yeah, man. I, 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 what I want is I want to. This is my favorite stuff about finding out people's lives and stories, mm-hmm. and and, and it, when it, especially when it comes to creatives. Yeah. Um, because I could spend hours talking about those moments. Cool. They shape us. Yeah. No, We're living out right now what those moments started. Right. Yeah. So I want to hear it. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave this here too, because yep. you know that way you can jump in. Because yeah. I feel like you add a lot. For those of you who can't um, see, we're sharing a mic because I'm a dumb host and <laughs> shorted ourselves a mic. But anyway, they're good sports. We're yeah, good. we're good. It's fun. So for me, uh, it's kind of actually, it's funny. It's a very similar beginning uh, to music, even down to like those cheeky little stories. We, uh, we actually both have photos that we found uh, probably around the same age, like around three years old, where Brad's like on the piano and I'm sitting at a drum kit separately like we both have our right. own individual f- 
photos, but uh, I think it started, my mom told me a story. She used to teach uh, voice lessons, and I was sitting in my high chair while she would be teaching. Another high chair story. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm like, to the T. Only I was eating Cheerios. It wasn't uh, birthday cake. She yeah. like had Cheerios out on the little high chair table. And um, this student that she was teaching, like my, my mom was trying to get him to sing uh, probably just a major scale or something um, using solfege, like do, re, mi, fa, so, mm-hmm. you know. And this student couldn't get the notes and my mom was listening to me humming the major scale probably, again, like one and a half. Um, wow. And my mom was like, oh, I really hope my student doesn't hear this. Like, I hope he, this person doesn't clue in because they're going to get really upset. And eventually the student clued in and actually like threw a little bit of a hissy fit and never came back. Like, that was it. Um, and I think, I, unlike Brad, I think I, I took it for granted. I, I, I quickly picked up uh, drums, uh, started on pots and pans, and, and I remember seeing like a commercial... And I was, I have really vivid memories from like very, very young. I remember seeing a commercial, I was probably like two and a half. And this kid was like, no idea what it was for, but he was playing pots and pans, but it was set up as an actual drum kit. And they like overdubbed drums on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I like right. went into the covers, I like pulled it all out and started just like jamming on it. Um, yeah, I started, I uh, grew up, you know, I, I grew up in, in the church. Yep. Um, my dad was a pastor. I grew up playing music in church and... Uh, I think by the age of five, I was playing like Sunday morning services. What? Um, yeah, yeah. And like, it was never a thing of like, oh man, I should learn this groove. It was just kind of like something that I always knew how to do. Um, but I think I really took it for granted. And like, I was taking drum lessons at the time. And I remember I was just like so over having to practice half right. an hour every day. Right. I, was, I was like five, I was six, I was seven. And I finally said like, I'm not doing it anymore. I quit. And my drum teacher was in tears, like begging my parents, like, please don't let him stop. Wow. And uh, I just kind of like, you know, I gave up on that side of music, but I started in school, like I think in grade three, I was, I was going to school in New York and uh, they had a music program. So in grade three, I started playing trumpet. Um, and that kind of became my like main instrument for, I mean, all the way up probably till grade 11. Um, yeah, I, I I wanted to go to school for music. It was kind of between that and, like, my dad really wanted me to hoop. It was, like, all my time was, like, either practicing basketball mm-hmm. or practicing trumpet. Could you have gone either way? Could you have gone to uh I don't think so. He thought so. I, like, I had a good hustle, you know. Like, I was, I was in high school and I was practicing at, the, like, at Brock University with their team every, you know, couple weeknights a week type thing and uh, whatever. I, I honestly now I'm just so garbage. Like I haven't played in so long, but yeah, no. So where am I at my story? I wanted to go to school for a trumpet. Um, I was boxing and got a really bad concussion in grade 11 and like forgot my name. Didn't know wow. what year it was. I just didn't know anything. It was 13 months of like very bad um, concussion symptoms. Oof. And the doctor was like, yeah, you can't, you can't play trumpet. And I was, you know, probably a little under a year away from like audition time for going to university. And I was like, oh man, like what am I gonna do? And I was like, oh, I, I kind of, I, I play drums. Like I could, maybe. So I found out who I wanted to study with first and um, decided 
there's this guy named Kevin Dempsey. He's um, he lives out Guelph, up Guelph line somewhere. Um, found out that he did the uh, auditions at Mohawk College, and my dad like without calling him or anything, he just drove me out. We found out where he lived. We, he drove me out to his house. I knocked on his door and I said, "Hey, like, really? Yeah, it was a Saturday morning. I was like, do you would you be interested in doing like a little fake audition right now?'" Wow. He sat me down for probably like 40 minutes. He's like, yeah, you're crap. <laughs> He's like, you're not going to get into school for it. And as he was kind of like giving me different things to try, he just was like, yeah, you seem to pick things up pretty quick, though. So he's like, if you want, like, I'll teach you a two-hour lesson, I think it was, once a week. And we'll try and get you ready for the audition. So I just, you know, for that, that whole 11 months leading up to that, and that's all I did was just practice and and go back every Saturday. It was like it was like a it was like an hour and a half drive one way. My you know my dad was just like a champ. Like he drove me every Saturday morning out yeah. to the spot and uh, did the audition. Got into school and that's kind of just been like my my path ever since. So you guys both experienced uh, being on the on the wrong end of the odds being against you getting into the, these respective programs and you ended up defying the odds and getting in. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I was told I would. That's that's yeah. that's wild. Um, and then let's talk about that that moment, that, that lightning striking moment of... Uh, oh, man, mine's so much lamer than Brad's. Uh, honestly, like, it was... This is going to sound so stupid. You know, I'm like a, I'm a pastor's kid. Like, I was listening to, like, you know, Kirk Franklin right. and, like, you know, those, like, CCM, like, mm-hmm. Reliant K... Mm-hmm. Um, skillet skillet yeah dc that, that talk little, yeah skillet was a little DC too talk. hard for me uh yeah dc talk i was yeah mostly like reliant k was like by far my favorite nice. um yeah it's super lame thank god but, for those bands that um <laughs> that straddled <laughs> the line between church and, and common market to yeah. let all the christian kids feel cool and not yeah. be like they're listening to <laughs> demonic music <laughs> thank you yeah. dc talk and skillet <laughs> yeah so i i just remember like you know going to like these conferences and stuff as kids and just like always being so drawn to live music, like right. watching these bands play and just being like, you know, it, it could have been small little shows too. And just like being so drawn to like what was happening. And like, I just always, I always knew that that's what I was going to do. And that's, that's what I want to do. Uh, little, like going way back, you know, I remember like being three or four, my mom used to tell me, actually, she told me recently, she was like, yeah, when you were a kid, you'd always look over at me and go, you know, mom, one day, mm. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to do something mm-hmm. awesome. And, like, it's funny because I'm not. And, you know, maybe I never will be. But it was just, like, this yeah. this thing that you I knew. always knew that I wanted to, like, at least try to achieve, try yeah. to chase, you know. Same. To the point where I, I felt slightly, uh, you know, insane. Like, because yeah. I just had a knowing in my knower yeah. that even at a young age, like, I was meant to do something yeah. special and different. And it always uh, it, it always landed. It wasn't about, you know, glory on the battlefield mm-hmm. or being an athletic star. It was always envisioned creating and Mm. i have to say like i think that little bit of like crazy Mm. is the only thing that lets you actually chase after this because it's such a defeating industry to be in and such a a defeating like dream to be chasing if you don't have that like relentless bit of crazy we're like no 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 i think i still think i'm i I still think like you know yeah yeah 21 rolls around no 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 i still think i'm gonna be you know man you know the um when if and when you guys have kids, it, and that battle becomes even harder when you hit 40. 
right. it's like, am I still relevant as an artist? Do, do I have something to say? Right. Would I listen to a 40-year-old guy? Like, would, and, right. and you think about the, there's countless musicians that are established that have families, but they were established, they were found out at 24. Right. It's like, it's tough to, to keep fighting right. for art. Yeah. But I, I say this a lot on the previous episodes, and I'll always say it. I promised myself at 16 that music would never be something I used to do, that it would always be happening. So, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. And you know what's funny is, is we are psychotic for the pursuit of you yeah. know, music. And, and even crazier group of people that I, I had the pleasure of interviewing was the cast of a show called uh, uh, This Is The Thing. It's a Hamilton-based sketch comedy show on TV on okay. the Five Network. And there's this whole like, community of comedy guys that just like, uh, you know, work, work their routine at local comedy clubs and they're like, they look at guys like Richard Pryor and George mm -hmm. Carlin, like we look at you two and Guns N' Roses. And it's just like, there's a whole other sect of people that are doing an even harder thing to break into Man. called comedy. I would yeah. never. Which is nuts. Never that want is, to be able to take that no. on. I think that comedy is the, is the most fearing. You know, oh. I am so scared of the concept. Like some people would say I'm a funny person and same with you. But yeah. the, the idea of intentionalizing that yeah. on stage yeah. and doing it every night, yeah. that is the most scary thing I've that's, ever done. That's a different kind of crazy, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I can go on stage and play a song every night and, pretty, and do pretty right. well with it. Right. But trying to be funny all every yeah. night. Yeah, on cue. If you're sad, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, it was the first, it was the first time I watched six, six Friends talking about comedy, like we talk about yeah. Metallica or that right. show when we saw you know, Coldplay. It, it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so, so many, so many tangents I want to go down. Um, quickly, I'll shoot this over to you, Brad. How, how did Family of Things become the entity that it is right now? Where did that come from? Mm, Family of Things came from just a long line of playing music together. So you guys have been, are you guys friends for a long time? That predate the, the band? So no, I would say no. I, I, I'd say that uh, our friendship came out of maybe not this band, but it came out of essentially a band prior okay so, so uh let's say i don't know eight years ago now uh aaron brown called me <laughs> uh and we, we knew each other through a mutual friend that so this was currently this was while so maybe it was longer because it would have been at, when i was at university flip i don't know how long ago that was now but i, think I was still in college before i went to university right right you were in college i was in like it's probably Western. like 2013 2012, yeah so a long time ago and uh i had a mutual friend of Aaron. we had a mutual friend through a guy named Pat and he connected us I was trying to make some music and Aaron was doing his thing and we were just kind of like jammed a few times right and then I get a call from Aaron we became friends you know casually and uh, I got a, I got a call from Aaron really excited because he was working on an ex on, a, on a new project uh, do we say what the project is yeah yeah know. it's uh I don't know why we went in. <laughs> Hi, Jordan, if you're watching. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Raycroft, or the, the band was called Raycroft, and uh, Aaron called me really excited. They were they were working on a record, and they were nominated for a Juno, and, and they wow. were really excited about what was going on. And so I was excited, too, and he said, well, you should join. And I said, sure, maybe I'll come just to do a practice. And long story short, we, we started, uh, you know, I started playing with the band, and, and we, we did a few tour, or a small tour, and just did some, some shows for a while, and recorded a few projects together, and it really wasn't... You know, I'm. Uh, it was a chance for me, and I was I was playing piano and doing some backup harmonies. And so for me, what it, what it gave me the opportunity, uh, it gave me the opportunity to step back to learn the nuances of being in a band community. Right. And what that also means is not being the boss. Right. 
uh, and D- being diplomacy and, and diplomacy yeah. and um, even performing with diplomacy. And it wasn't always easy for me. And 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 it, we all have different battles to learn. And and so for me, there was an ego. Just it was not a. I, I never. I don't think people really really say that I was egotistical, but they would say that obviously my confidence was like pretty forefront. Right. So I had the, the battle internally of, of fighting between like what I thought was right mm-hmm. and accepting that other people have beautiful opinions and, and, and creative minds as well and letting those flourish. And so, you know, long, long story short, uh, I learned more from that band than probably any other like band experience. Amazing. And it taught me uh, humility. It taught me grace. Uh, it taught me patience. You know, there's lots of reasons that I would be frustrated just because of um, simple things like uh, lack of communication. Right. And and I learned how important that is for, for future projects. So family of things then came out of that 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 learning experience. And Aaron was a part of it with me. Right. Aaron was there before I was. And and then uh, Jordan went to do other things in life. Uh, we still wanted to make music, and it gave us an opportunity to essentially take what we had and just and just shift it a little bit and allow uh, me to sing a bit more and allow uh, new songs to be created and a new vision and and a new excitement. And uh, so we started out in my parents' basement. We rehearsed in that basement for three years. Wow. And that's where the song Basement comes from, uh, yeah. uh, which is one of our other big songs from the record. Uh, and, you know, we just were, we were really eager. And I think... We had the most important lessons in those early days. So that's where it came from. And then just, you know, I can let Aaron take on what's next. But, you know, we were we were really, you know, talented guys who had no idea what they were doing and just loved the idea of playing shows. We played a bunch of shows in Hamilton. We played some in Toronto. You know, we got we got some uh, a couple fun show experiences. We had some fun recording and then or fun writing. And then we got into recording. And I'll let Aaron take it from there. Cool. But, we uh, had our first recording opportunity, and that was a huge step for us. So maybe you want to take on? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can jump in anytime too. Well, I just want to. I, 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 it's a great point to bring up the um, the lessons learned in a band dynamic. Um, the restraint you would have had to do from being an alpha and then becoming part of the team. Sure. Um, I thought I was kind of a um, Personally, like I'm, when we played with our rock band, I was on lead guitar, and I f- didn't ever really feel comfortable in my own skin. I felt kind of just awkward. Um, and then I realized I didn't feel that way when I was singing, leading leading a song. Um, what's my point? I guess my point is is we learn about ourselves pretty quickly doing different jobs in a band. I'm actually the best version of myself when I'm out front. And it's, it's really hard to not sound like an ego trip yeah. when you're doing that. But um, I feel like it's easier for me to control a weather system, like a band, than it is to control like a singular little yeah. specific thing like being a guitar part guy. Mm. Um, and that would be hard to tame a side of you that you know is really good and function in a lesser version of yourself. Right, but here's the thing. I was I was young enough that uh, I didn't actually know yet. Oh, okay. So, right. So you know, we were maybe uh, 23, 24. So you know, I'm at that age where it's like my skills are really there, but my experiences aren't fully in line yet. Right. And so I'm over here being like, I am really good, you know, in my head, mm-hmm. and perhaps I am, but I wasn't at a place where I was able to actually like 
know how to deal with that yet. Know how to actually take that on with humility and grace, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, too, like, for Brad, just, like, watching, you know, as a, not an outsider, like, obviously, I was was very interactive with the whole process, but knowing what was going on for Brad inside and knowing how, I mean, it is what it is. He's freaking gifted, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But... Also knowing like the music that came before that with some of the projects I was helping out on, I feel like creatively as well, um, it allowed Brad to like step back and be like, I don't need to have all my opinions creatively out in this song right here. Right. It kind of I felt like it really molded the process of your writing, mm-hmm. the process of like even coming up with parts and like the less is more mentality, like prior to that i i think you just wanted to say everything at once yeah. and it, it really allowed you to that like backseat allowed you to just kind of like learn what it means to to do less in in, a, in in that environment it's likely why you guys have worked together for a long time too you, you've you've you're proven now and you've you've kind of watched each other and and uh suffered each other's growth growing pains <laughs> well here's the thing aaron's the guy who taught me in all that, in all that whole experience, what I said, that van experience was the most, like some of the most valuable lessons that I had learned. Amazing. As a young person, and he's the one who taught me ultimately that less is more. Yes. Right? So, the idea of playing more than is needed isn't mm. out of out of a lack of gift or skill. It's a lack of maturity. Restraint in all disciplines, <laughs> like from going food back to Einstein. Yeah. Restraint in, or or a box yeah. or a, a pen. Yeah. That you're hedged in, it yeah. creates some pretty significant yeah. things. Uh, this is good. I, so I want to keep camping on the current band right now. Before we go too far in another direction, what genre of music would you guys... Uh, oh, I'll let you take... No, you're going you're gonna to pass it <laughs> I'm looking over here. I'm like, Eric's got I it. hate this question. You know what? It, 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 and again, it's... There's a lot of unfair questions in these things because, yeah. like, I don't listen to a genre. I yeah. listen to Shania Twain and ABBA and Metallica yeah. and Megadeth <laughs> and Stone Temple Pilots, like, yeah. and Barry Manilow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's good. Yeah. It's good. But, yeah. but for the sake of chewing the fat, yeah. um, maybe if you don't want to say what genre it is, I can hear my mom speaking to my mom. She hates that word. Every time I say it, I can hear my mom going, I hate that word. Yeah. But, um, if you don't want to, if you don't want to pin yourself down to that, perhaps if you were to play a bill with other bands, who would you be akin to Ooh. spending time with? Before we go there, can I explain why we don't like sure. that question? Of course, it's it's kind of simple. I think that um, you know when we get stuck in in genre talk too much, uh, it does those things that we were talking. It gives connotation, mm-hmm. and you know from uh, I think that our songs are depict. Um, can uh, so what, I was writing some music. So we have a new record coming potentially a long time, maybe not so long. And we're not getting into it right now. <laughs> That's for another day. But you know, uh, we got our, we got some new music in our life, and you know, I showed it to our guitarist, and I, and I was worried because I was like, it sounds pretty different, right? And he looked at me, he's like, no, nah, it doesn't sound different, man. Just because it's a different style doesn't mean it's a different. It's not a different music. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, there's this depth to, to um, what music actually sounds like. And when we talk about genre, you know, sometimes we get it, sometimes it, it actually takes away from the music itself. So, uh, you know, you could write in a whole, I could write a record in, in four different genres and it would still sound like our music, right. if you know what I'm saying. Right. So for us, it's like, we don't like to necessarily say what genre it is because we don't know what it is because it's always different. And I think that's helpful. It allows us to shed that away and just make what we want. 
So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that being your answer, and and yeah. I and I think the genre is a, is a cop out to make it easier for people to just explain things. Yeah. Um. So that's fine. Yeah. And that. Yeah. Sometimes I say it's good music. That's our genre. Cool. Yeah. But if, oh, okay. if we have to, if, we have if you're to, opening for a band, if you're that opening for an established band that we may all know, who yeah. would make sense that you're you're playing with them on a bill? Oh, you know. Well, go for it then. Just no, just you say, say it. You guys are too. You guys are too polite. You say what? Well, no, I don't. I want to know where you're going first. I'm gonna say Patrick Watson. Okay. Okay. So this this is this is I guess where I, I didn't want to say anything yet is because the new style of music that we're writing it's just very like heartfelt, genuine, real. Uh, music, which I, I feel like coming out of this pandemic, that we're out of this pandemic. I don't really Will know. we ever be out of this pandemic? <laughs> Who knows? Podcast number two, we'll wait yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like people um, have been stripped back to just the realness of humanity, the mm-hmm. realness of, of who they are and what they what they like. And, and I think that they're just looking for authentic now. There's so much out there. There's so much to choose from. And this new music is just incredibly real and incredibly authentic. And so that I think mm-hmm. we would say is like right. that's a Patrick Watson slash Sufian yeah. slash okay. I don't know Lee Fullback uh, kind of vibe uh, even Tim Baker Tim Baker from from Hey Rosetta in Canada but yeah. I think what Aaron and when Aaron says real what we what we're getting at that's is my like, next question yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, two things two important big things and uh, they're very, they're different but they are just as important so real because the uh, uh, are we doing it. Are we going into it? Yeah, let's go into it. All right. Yeah, we can go into the record. Sweet. Whatever. We're making a record. I'm honored. It's the yeah. best thing we've ever done. I'm uh, so excited. I love it. It's so good. So how, how many how many how many hours, months, days, weeks do you have into this record? How, how long have you been working a on it? A year. Well, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> Just, here's the thing. It's like five years of, yeah. of music. Like it's music from the very beginning that we started writing and, and playing stuff together. Yeah. To stuff that's just been written months ago. Uh, so. It's a lot of music, and it's a lot of things that didn't necessarily have a home, have a home. before. And I, I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was this, another aha moment was, you know, I went through a, um, an emotional time and the heartbreak experience. Yeah. And it, and it, I had an in in coming, trying to get through that, I had an aha moment where all of these songs that we just loved, but they didn't have a place in what family things sounded like. Right. What our genre was. Right, right, right. Right. It forced us to let the leave them be. They were they were they were misfits. And then there was this moment of wait a minute, what if they just weren't? What yeah. if they all come together? So real means two things. Uh, we stripping away the synths a bit. Real instruments, brass, okay. strings, organic. backup organ- vocals, organic piano, drums. Okay. Like this is the kind of stuff. Cool. Like like what everybody has played for all of music. You right. know, for all rock and roll. Right. And then the other realness is that these songs are our most honest stories. We're I telling, love it. We're telling a, this is a conceptual record. Okay. Do you yeah. want to go into that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Go ahead. Yeah. So basically, yeah. Share that mic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, the concept, I guess, is as Brad was saying, it's it's kind of this like um, relationship story, as all music is some shape or form mm-hmm. but it's 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 the development of a relationship so um and we're breaking up into four eps it's 16 songs all together really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eager uh, wow yeah it's yeah 16 songs and we're, we're doing uh four eps that 
follow seasons of the year. So I don't huh. know how we're going to make it, like, name it them thematically yet. Yep. But it's going to be, like, your spring is where it'll start, your summer, your winter, your fall. And, sorry, fall, winter. I love it. That, I love that. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, spring being, like, this, like, this person that you, uh, you've noticed. And, like, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm in love, but I don't know you, but I want to get to know you. And the summer is kind of like the flourishing of that of that uh, relationship and like all the good things that come in that uh, fall. And it follows the timeline. Yeah. Honeymoon phase. It follows the it timeline. It follows my little, the little timeline of my story. Yeah. You know, I, just even hearing the, the theme. Yeah. yeah. I was bracing for like, oh, here comes the you fall. Here comes coming. the fall. And yeah. uh, that's... That's cool, man. That, yeah. I, my hope is that people follow you for that ride and, and, yeah. and go, like, keep going, sorry. Yeah, no, and then, and then the winter is just it's kind of like not picking yourself up by the, the bootstraps, but this realization of, like, of self and, and who you've become because of that and like the good that you can take from that and moving on not as, a, as like a, a lesser person because of time stolen, but moving on as like a, a fuller person and, and knowing yeah. who you are in that. Um, can you? Yeah, Here's a question. Thanks. Give me. I'm gonna ask. You want you guys to both answer it um, separately, in ten words or less. Can you write? Does heartbreak produce better art, Brad? In ten words or less. Yeah. How about one word? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, That's what was good. Aaron, same. Yeah. You, you you concur? I think yeah. that uh, you same know. Yeah. If I can be candid with you, which I can, I think, sure. you know, that was the harsh year of my life. Yeah. And um, I went through the ringer. Yeah. Ringer. And uh, if I wasn't, I, I say this, and I'll never, I'll never stop saying it. We are the luckiest, as artists and creators, we are the luckiest people to experience things because we have something to, to, to express yes. ourselves. Yes. Right? And so yeah. for me, uh, you know, this... This next project, I have never been more excited about any music I've ever done in my whole life, ever. And it comes out of the saddest thing that's ever happened to me. Amazing. That wasn't ten words. It was. It's okay. Well, no, no. You gave me the one, and then you, that was good. So uh, another th another thing that I love about you guys that uh, I'm, I'm jealous of, I live vicariously through anybody who does this, is that they have a burgeoning career on their own, but um, you get serious chops as producers. So let's talk about the, your your production hat. Um, how how much of, of your of your daily life of a reality is that? Is that kind of like your main gig? What's 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 first? Family of things, and then producing, or is, is producing like? I yeah, I think the the beauty of you know twenty twenty one and like people not getting a nine to five that they work from graduating high school till they retire is like. You know, it always changes season to season. Yeah. Um, there's definitely been seasons where, like, we put everything into family things and, and you know, production wasn't really a thought. And uh, now it's, yeah, it's production's taken over. Uh, I'd say the last year and a half. Sorry, my voice keeps cracking. Let me take a drink. <laughs> hmm. The last year and a half, we've, um, yeah, we've been full-time doing production. Doing production. Um, Do you enjoy it? Love it. Love it. Do you, you know, I, I think there's multiple responsibilities of, of, of a good producer. Um, I think in another life, I would have loved to have been a producer um, because you're, you're doing mentorship. You're keeping, you're making someone feel comfortable. Yeah. You're coercing the best out of them. 
you're editing them, telling them no. And then there's the technical side of things. Um, how easy is it for you guys to, to play those roles as artists yourself? I'll start and then you, you take go. over. Yeah, I, I think um, just even with like the history of, of who we are as mm. people and the process, I, I think that we have naturally a lot of those elements to be able to um, coach, to be able to help with songwriting, uh, shaping the elements of what the song is going to be in the production side of it. Um, yeah, even like Brad, obviously his like chops as as a, a vocalist, it like he's incredible at coaching vocals, like when we're recording and right. stuff like that. Right. Um, and I think too, like not to toot our horns too much, but like we're super easygoing people. Like we've obviously worked with other people in the past. That, that, that I, I want to work with you guys, like yeah. because I know yes. I know it would work because yeah, I because I, I because I can just tell. Yeah, chemistry. Like I have a gut for people, and I, I'm, I, I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah. and so I'm. I think anybody who's worked with you is lucky. Oh, I man, think that's I great. Really appreciate that. So sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I mean, more or less. Like, it's it's been. I would say what came last for us uh, out of all of the elements is like the the, the engineering, the, the technical side. That's of the, that's the that's the that's the barrier of entry for me. It's like yeah. I could produce an album, but oh, I sure I couldn't could. do the technical thing. Like I need an engineer. Right. But the the I, I'm 43. Yeah. I got to pick my battles. Like I'm starting <laughs> I'm starting yeah. to learn the podcast thing. This is the first thing I've been uh, a complete noob to. The last time I did this was 20 years ago as a chef. So, like, right. I can't take on another right. whatever, but, like, the kudos to anybody that can figure out how to be good right. creatively and know how to run a cable yeah. and how to manipulate a drum kit. God bless you, <laughs> yeah. because that's not happening for me. But uh, yeah. so what was the what was the learning curve uh, for you guys to be able to re make real what you were hearing in your head technically? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, I mean, it just kind of comes with the story of the evolution of, of us as, as even family of things. Like, at the same time that we were starting to write and and practice together i started playing with a band out west called zurban um and i was just doing like festivals and stuff like they'd fly me out i'd do a couple shows that's I'd when i first home. met you you were doing some pretty big gigs yeah. yeah yeah it was super fun learned a ton um and just got really close with the guys uh who even though they were doing really well as a band they were killing it in the publishing world they were making stuff for they had a couple different like pseudo groups that they were just like putting content out under, and they were making good chunks of change. Talk, talk to the people about the difference between being a publishing success yeah. and being a mm -hmm. public success. Personally, yeah. I would like a Warner Chapel songwriting deal yes. more yeah. than a regular deal. Uh, so why don't you talk about that quickly? Take, yeah. take a sidestep and, and talk about publishing versus... Right. Yeah. Personally, I, I'm like... I'm in love with the idea of publishing. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of really cool opportunities in the past, and you know we have a, fun, a couple fun, really cool opportunities that I really, I won't talk about now, but some like cool things in the works right now that we're we're really looking forward to. Um, I love the idea of being able to work from my home, write a song with Brad, record it, you know in the past even like you fly to LA work sit in a room with a bunch of guys you don't know and mm -hmm. just like see what happens same with in New York like we've done a, a, Love it. a few different trips there and I just think that like A the money is way better mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you can live a normal life you can live a normal yeah. life go to Starbucks and not get looked at yeah and yeah the money is so yeah. much better like yeah. these these you know Jason and Pete like 
good good buds of ours. They were doing a lot under their like pseudo stuff called Nevada Wilds that Love they it. never toured, they never you know played a show. They just were making music and putting it on big old movie trailers. I remember watching watching the sitcom Nashville and all these guys that they're these these characters that were like just songwriters for yeah publishing companies. You'll and hear like, a lot of their music on Nashville. And that was the, oh really yeah. amazing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm hearing from you guys and a lot of bands that are sitting on projects is uh, talk to me about something that I don't think most non-creatives understand. And it's the concept of just constantly being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Pregnant with projects mm-hmm. and songs crawling their way through to completion and being birthed to being recorded, waiting it for to get mixed, clearances from labels, Next to making movies, this is a long process. You know, I I have songs. I started tracking a song seven months ago, and I'm still waiting to finish the drums on it. I'm going crazy. But, like, I'm not special. That's just the way it is. Uh, Can you speak to that, what it's like to be a creative? Most creatives are very uh, impatient and very, like, you know, let's get this done. Waiting for your child to see the light of day. Let's talk about that. So I would say Brad could probably start with the process of the – the idea and the songs and, 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 and what that is for you. Sure. Well, I mean, why don't we use uh, the new record as, as an example? Sure. So, uh, so last summer, we were, we were so fortunate to spend the summer on the Sunshine Coast in BC. Man, I saw those photos. But, yeah. I was mad every time I looked at them. You always had a broken arm. Yeah. And now he's got a broken <laughs> Why finger. does Aaron always have a broken arm in yeah. his photos? Anyway, sidebar. <laughs> So we, we had the opportunity to produce some music with a friend, Jason, from the band Zerbin. And uh, he, he had us out for the, for the whole summer. Uh, you know, and at the, at the end of that summer, I went home, took a beautiful uh, road trip through the mountains and ended up uh, in Alberta. Then I flew from Alberta home and I got home. And then that's when everything kind of uh, went downhill for me emotionally. Unraveled. Unraveled. Okay. Unraveled in a day. Really? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, this guy wasn't around because mm. he was he was still out there for a couple more months. So what that gave me is a unique opportunity to write uh, to get to get some of my stuff out and like and by writing I don't just mean writing new music I mean like journaling I mean like processing I I, I mean I also mean compiling all these old songs anything cathartic anything cathartic uh, playing. So much piano. I played more piano. Uh, you know, I played more piano than anybody. Like it's, I it's, uh, <laughs> sidebar, please forgive me for interrupting, but I've been meaning to ask you, is, would you say piano is your primary? Oh, yeah. Weapon? It's my favorite okay. thing in the world. All right. Piano is uh, piano's the thing I'm best at, I'd okay. say, and it's the thing that I feel most connected to. Cl- singing is very close, but uh, you, you know, am I yeah, right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, I think in the grand scheme of your life, yes. I think other people's perspective would sure. be not that but yeah. you're one of those unfair guys that could probably just sit with something and then get it pretty yeah. figured out and yeah, yeah i guess i could do that but yeah. but piano and, and yeah piano is like i feel most comfortable when i'm at a piano by myself in a room just yeah. like oh. so for me uh you know the idea of the most exciting moment of a song for me mm. is when it's just on my membrane oh. fresh it's like, oh my gosh, that chorus is so good. It's the worst and best thing in the world. It's like, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it. Oh, I gotta get. I have, <clears throat> I have a 
thousands of voice notes, thousands right, of them. Right. And you know how many times I've sent those to Aaron? Because what I do by doing that is I, I intentionalize it. It's like, now I've sent it over to Aaron. Now I've got to wait to see what he thinks. Right. Right? Because like a big part of me wants to know what he thinks. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And, the, and so, or oh my gosh, I'm so sad. So I'm writing these songs and I send them over to Aaron like, what do you think? I feel bad for the times I haven't responded now. <laughs> and I'm just like waiting. No. I got married and, you know, it's just like don't look at my phone as much. <laughs> so, you know, there's this experience of like there's the moment of the conceptual moment, like going back to the pregnancy thing. Yeah. You conceive. Okay, maybe. Yeah. No, it's maybe, pretty maybe. bang on. You know, and then there's this, there's this joy. There's that first moment of like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. Uh, and then there was the, the the process of of letting it sit for a while and letting it grow, <laughs> yeah. like you know, like a baby, uh, and letting it uh, letting it change, right? So you know, we had ideas, or I, you know, a lot of the way you know, typically like Aaron and I, you know, let's just say I come up with a little idea. Sometimes I'll come up with a tiny idea and send it his way, and then he sends me back something a bit bigger, and then it grows from there. Uh, or you know, and sometimes we'll come up with a little idea. We'll look at each other. We're like, "That's great." It's a very collaborative thing. Um, so you know, there are a couple. There are some songs that that uh, during this process came from like just, just, just. I don't even remember writing it. It just came out. It just happened. Right. And so, but but in those moments, it's like Aaron was the Aaron's existence in that was allowing it to 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 kind of settle and then change. And then letting it really refine, so that it wasn't just like a an idea came up with him. That's exactly what it is. And so Aaron's role in some of those was like bouncing back ideas on me and letting letting it kind of have some time to like actually become pregnant. You know? Do you guys ever um, pursue a song based off a very small, small snippet of an idea, trusting that once you start adding a backbeat and baseline, oh, yeah. that you've got a song? Oh, I, I do that a lot. Oh yeah. And I'm like, guys, trust me. Just trust me. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm like, just trust me. When the band starts in on it, we have something. Do you guys ever do that? Yeah. I mean, that's, I would say most, most of what we've written has just been like cool. little snippets that just get expanded on. Right. Um, also, too, I feel like people always say like, yeah, just keep writing thousands and thousands of songs and then pick like the one or two that like works, but we've never we've done never. it that way. Okay. We're going to camp there. Yeah. So there's, I'm constantly in this push and pull. You get the guys like, uh, I forget his name right now, but the lead, the front man from Death Cab for Cutie. He's famous ben for Gibbard. Ben, Gibbard. ben Gibbard. Thank yeah. you. Friends of ours are opening for them right now. Nice. A band called Deep Sea Diver. They're based out of Seattle. Cool. More friends of my friend, but I, I, I know them. Anyway, Yeah. he's famous for renting a studio space. And Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, he sits at a desk and writes. Mm. And he takes it seriously like a, a, a Shaolin monk. Mm. And then there's the the other side of things that I tend to lean towards were inspiration and waiting for that melody that I'm fiddling around with on the guitar to grab me and go, oh, I caught a fish. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna reel it in. Where are you guys on the intentionality of pushing through and being disciplined with populating your data bank with songs or, or versus waiting for the moment where are you on that you mind if i start yeah i think brad you would more naturally lean towards needing to play when creativity strikes mm. 
And but for you, I would say that's more frequent than most people. Mm. So it's like it's more more like a nightly thing versus like a whenever it happens yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then I would say that like as producers now, it's our job. So it's it's not just like when the for me it's 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 not like a it it needs to hit, be out of something that's like magical. It's like it, let's treat it within the hours of work. Right. And I think that like being producers full time, that's kind of shaped our workflow but Ooh. still when brad goes home at night i always get another like two yeah. three voice memos you know what i love about you guys this is what i what i've gathered in in the 55 minutes 42 seconds <laughs> is uh that there's a real bond between you two yeah. I, I when when you mentioned i'm sorry for the flies we have a fly problem here. Okay. Get the freaking freak out um <laughs> um and i won't edit that out that's a real moment um <laughs> When you, it was very telling when you said, you know, I came home and my life unraveled and Aaron wasn't here. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And I think that's the nucleus of this band. And I don't know what the point of me saying that is, is I just want to acknowledge that, that I get the sense that there is a, there is a, there is a fam, a familial, no pun intended, but a familial bond here. Uh, and I think that's really special, man, is that you guys are living, doing life together. That's special. Yeah. And I, I hope. What we gain from this is more than anything, I've never wanted to like have this career that just pops off. You know right. what I mean? Like I look at some of our favorite bands, mine for sure, like the National and you know some of these guys, Bonnie Bear, it, and it's it's been this like, well, the National for sure. Yeah. Like, they've been a band since what like ninety forever or something. Did you know that they were here and I I fed them? I do, and I think okay. that's the wow. coolest. That's a story for another time. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. But I look at that and they're like, you know, they're four. Four records in before they're like headlining five records right. in before they're headlining these like major festivals and doing all this cool stuff and and the other aspect that I love about that is they've consistently made music that is real to them mm. um, talking about family like I'm pretty sure it's two brothers and two brothers yeah That's the band yeah um, obviously I, I, I do think Brad and me kind of have that that bond of mm. as, as brothers um, but yeah I I just I want to have that longevity, and I feel like that comes from this um, creating as we go. It's 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 a process. It's a life. It's it's going to take years, and that's okay. And that I think is what separates true artists from weekend warriors. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about people who decide to call themselves a musician. Like well, this is this is everything to us. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. What 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 can you do? What kind of insight can you give uh, a non-musician um, what it is to be a musician that they don't have any idea about? What do you think is a misconception? What do you think is a fact? Yeah. Oh. Enlighten them. Dear non-musicians, <laughs> nice to meet you. I've never met you. I only know musicians. No, I'm just kidding. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it, that is, there's something to say about that, though. I, I find that uh, there's a, um, a creative... Uh, I find myself surrounded by creative people, so I don't have this opportunity to right. talk, talk. You know, it's, it's the truth is I, I'm around different forms of artists all the time, and it, how, how it brings a lot of beauty, but it also brings a lot of lack of um, difference of, of experience. Right. And so, for those who who don't know the experience of a creator, let me tell you, it's it's not as as, as uh, it, it seems beautiful and romantic, uh, and it is at times. Let's be clear. You thought I was going to say it's not. It is at times romantic and gorgeous. Mm. And you have these moments where, you know, the other day we were working on a record with an artist and Aaron and I looked at each other and we teared up because it was wow. so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 
And and those moments, you know, I I tend I'm a romantic guy. Yeah. In the, in the traditional form of the word. At a fault. Yeah, at a fault. It's right <laughs> all on my sleeve. I'm just romantic. Let me know. Yeah, and, and and I'll find myself welling up and feeling so privileged. And you know what? Aaron might not admit it, but he is too. Mm-hmm. And we are we are soft, sensitive, sweet boys. Yeah. Who yeah. <laughs> who love the, who love to be swallowed up by this gorgeous music and these experiences. Yes. So that does that is part of it, and that is a small fraction of the experience. You know, there's more anxiety and stress going into this this growth period right. than the romantic stuff. But that allows it to be not comfortable, and because it's not comfortable, we continue. Right. If it was comfortable, we might not continue. We might just sit in it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those careers where you don't get to see the wall you've built over eight hours. You're not a bricklayer. You're not in demo. You don't right. see an obvious change at the right. end of your start of your workday. It's it could take months, years for year. you to go, done, yeah. ta-da. Yeah. And then there's the risk that no one will ever hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. you know it, it's yeah. and, and my brother who's you know. A, off camera, he's helping produce it. He's an artist as well. You know, the struggle of, you know, how much more do I fight for this? Do I keep believing in this? Do I, whatever. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I had another question I wanted to hop on. I lost it. Um, I mean, I was going to say something then, please, about in that moment. Please. About what you were saying about our teamwork and Aaron and yes. the dynamic that we have in the brother kind of relationship. And uh, I think that extends into so many ways. Mm-hmm. Into so many, sorry, rather, in so many rooms of this whole building of what we've created, right? Uh, as producers, we have found a rhythm when mm. we work together. Aaron and I have different tasks that we take on. Huge we also, rhythm. Yeah, we have that rhythm. We also can interact with each other's roles. You have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. We, we can make, we and and that's not something that you, you take for granted. It's taken, or you can't force it. It's, year, it's yeah. been years of production to get, to get there. And now we're feeling right in that groove. Yeah. So we have that relationship, but that also goes into songwriting. That goes into, like I was saying back with Raycroft, you know, Aaron teaching me about things and maybe I'm teaching Aaron about different things and or loving different things and growing as, as artists and creators and we've influenced each other but also like our, our temperament our character we support each other we um, we are so similar in lots of ways and yet we are contrasting other ways that allows for us to flourish these sorts of things are like remarkably unique yeah. that allows for this whole thing you know we've never been in a real fight never ever yeah. we've never actually been like <laughs> I just saw Aaron grab for the mic maybe you have maybe one or two <laughs> maybe one or two <laughs> Yeah, and I just kind of adding to like the question of what what I would say to non-musicians, but also maybe more to musicians. There's something that I kind of want to put out there that like kind of de-romanticizes mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 arts and, and music and creating whatever. When I was in school at, at Mohawk, I just remember like everybody like loved music. Like they'd be in there the second the doors opened, they'd be out of there you know, when school closed at like 11 at night or whatever. And I was always like, I'd show up like right before class <laughs> and I'd dip right after class. Um, we had a guest speaker come in. He was some producer from like the 80s in LA or whatever. Like he did like all the old like Planet of the Apes or something like that. Okay. I, I forget his name. But he said something that stuck with me for forever. Um, because I, I do believe there's people like Brad um, that love music and every professor I ever had was always like you need to love music if you don't love music you should quit now 
and they're jaded. They're like, because you're going to get divorced, yeah. you're going to mm. broke, you're gonna, you know, you're just going to be lonely, your life is going to suck, <laughs> like all this stuff. Doom. Doom. Yeah, you need to love it. And I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> I don't love music. Right. I don't want to be divorced. <laughs> and then this guy came in and he's like, you know, everybody's always saying, like, you have to love music. He's like, for me, I don't love music. There's there's there, there's seasons where I love music, and that's the same for me. Like there's seasons where I absolutely love music, but he's like, there's a lot of seasons where like I hate music, but it's the thing that I hate the least. And mm -hmm. I was like, that was the first time I felt like confident to be like, oh my gosh, validated. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. There's a lot of times where I hate music, but man, do I hate digging graves more, or <laughs> man, do I hate like. Yeah. Farming more, right? Like whatever, you know. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with a love hate, yeah. I, and I wouldn't even say what you're saying is love hate. That's pretty extreme. But there was a season of my life where I had a love hate relationship with being a musician and playing live. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just write and record. Like I love the studio, but anxiety level when it came to waiting to play, yeah, through the roof. I'm like, I hate this. Yeah. But there's that's the push and pull, right? The ugly and the beauty. I want, I want to mention to that, it, it, my version of that. Um, it's very similar, like being at a restaurant tour. Like we're sitting in my restaurant here. Yeah. Uh, people are like, "Oh man, I'm this and that," and they see the Food Network side of things. And right. you know, it's worth it about once a week. I'll come up the stairs and Zeppelin's playing, and the, the plates are clanging, and it's like, "Oh yeah, this is why we do what we do, yeah, man." Yeah. And then it's the other dishes like, "I'm quitting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm done." Like yesterday, it was Labor Day, and I was working the line, and I, I was, I went. I went stupid from being so busy. I was like, I hate my life. Yeah, Stop right. coming in my shop. Like everything that I should not have been thinking and feeling right. was <laughs> happening to me. And it, and it was like, there was no beauty in that moment. Yeah, The business was making money, but there was, there was no charm right. to that. Right. It was a, it was a slug fest. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, but, but in 25 years from now, when I look back on it, I'm like, it was the best time. Right. It, but, yeah. but I, I think that's what people realize. And, and, and dare I mention the word, you know, General, generationally, I think the the understanding that suffering for your art or waiting mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's right. a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. That takes time to figure that out. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. And and during that suffering process, you're learning things that you just don't even imagine that you need to learn. Right. Like you know, I look back. I I've had two big degrees, and I've learned a lot through those. And then I've also had you know two bands. <laughs> And I've learned just as much through that. Yeah. And there are different experiences. There are different learning curves. But, you know, for what I do today, mm -hmm. they are equally as valuable. Yes, 100%. You know, I'd say for, for what yeah. we do and what I do and the way I, the, my roles in the studio, uh, I, I'm just so fascinated and I blow my, I blow my own mind in how I'm using what I've learned uh, in the studio more and more. String arrangement, you know, working on vocal harmony, choral work in the studio, mm -hmm. in backing backing tracks, working on uh, piano voicings, all these technical things. You know, I would technically have a degree in theory in composition. And the ways that I never imagined those would be implemented into production are. Mm -hmm. and, and it's probably the same for Aaron, just in, in a different context. So the music I listen to is very varied. Um, but you would be surprised to know that the first albums that made my life good as a child were as follows prince motown yes and the soundtrack to jesus christ superstar nice how does that make sense oh it does though. but let's talk about 
those random what are the sure. random i mean sure. we're going we're going back an hour ago to to kind of those those aha moments yeah. but can is there anything that would surprise us in terms of your well we're, we're kind of doing a redundant redundant thing but i think there's more i want to excavate a little bit more so you said billy joel but like what what other things that are out there that that you would surprise people to go man i love this album well i mean you know so <clears throat> If I listen, if I think about the music that I've loved over all the years, you know, the, the first band, I don't even know if you know this. The first record I ever had was uh, Slippery When Wet by Nickelback. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong Is with that. Is that called Slippery When Wet? No, that's Bon Jovi. Oh, which, what's, no, what's the, what's the, uh, there's another one. I know what you're talking about. The talk- Long Road. Yes, yes. The Long Road with Saunders. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Nickelback. You say what you want about that band. They've done all right. They've done more than all right. And yeah. you know what? I, I hear those songs and it, it gets me going. Yeah. I love this stuff. So I started out with this kind of music, right? And then I went into like a lot of piano music. But then you got to remember growing up, high school, I got into things like uh, Modest Mouse. Nice. I love. Nice. Huge. Death Cab was like the most influential band for me. Stars were like Stars. Everything. Can we just talk about Stars for a second? Oh, the sweetheartest band. Frig, the, man. The best. So and good. I've seen them five times. And uh, they're probably the band I've seen the most, and every time they're captivating. Man. And talk about a duo. The yeah, Milan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Torque. Thank something. God for CBC too. The band, the amount of bands I've been disco- that I've discovered through that that uh, I don't know, it's like a four four to five p.m. hour on CBC yeah. two. The band. Yes. Drive, yes. Yeah. Stars. Metric. Uh, oh. Uh, Arcade Fire, Arcade, a huge one from that. Yeah. From that was Arcade Fire. Yeah, and, and then the other big music for me was like Radiohead. That oh come of, on, you know, okay, Radiohead. I saw Radiohead in '94. No, you did not for the Benz tour. Benz, yeah. And Oasis was playing the next night, and Noel and Liam Gallagher were on the top balcony oh, watching the show. I bet they were. Oh, and dude, it was. And Remy Zero opened for them, and this was '94 at the warehouse, and it was. Wow. It was something else. Oh man! And and there's a lot of pseudo Radiohead fans out there. Yeah, no, no, no. But no, I'll no. say this: I was there for the Benz. Yeah, you were there for the Benz. <laughs> Here's what I'll say: I once decided to do a Radiohead marathon, and for two months, I took the discography yeah. and I listened to the whole thing ten times. Like I didn't stop. It was just over and over and over yeah. again. And I didn't listen to anything else for the two months because I wanted to just learn what would happen if you just listened to one band. For so much time. That's a good lesson. That, that's a good. That's a good um, experiment. Yeah. I, I always say, if you want to be a great rock musician, yeah. Learn Hendrix. Learn Page. Yeah. Huge. You're good. Yeah, you're good. That covers it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's amazing. Uh, Radiohead. 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 You know, in the '90s, there was there was such a buffet of sounds, and you know, I didn't latch on to the Pearl Jam like everyone did. There was a lot of every, everyone's a poser in high school. Before that, everyone's into rap. Yeah. Everyone smokes because they want to be cool. Like there's, there's yeah. bands that you you love you you know get to because it's like you're supposed to. But it was the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. It was Weezer. It was the guys like Radiohead. But I'm like, okay, no, this is these are my people. These are my people. Yeah, Pearl Jam wasn't for me. No. So they're still not. I appreciate them. And there's some songs, but no, there was, there was whatever. We're going on a tangent now, but and you you owe me an answer, Aaron Brown. So like, what other what other left left field uh, discography would we be surprised to know that you hold dear to your heart? You know what? I had a big Eminem Fifty Cent phase. Yeah. Hey man. Hey man. I remember when Eminem came out in '99. It was yeah. a big deal, and it was like, yeah. "What is this? This yeah. is like off planet." 
Yeah, no, for, honestly, my, my music journey is just not as exciting as everybody else's. And I think that's because I grew up in like a, a, a pastor's kid's home. Like yeah, but then, was, then you get Kings of Leon. Right, yeah. And they grew up probably more marginalized than you did, and yet they produced what they produced. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I don't know if that even matters. Yeah, it was like, there was just, I loved playing music, but I didn't really listen to a ton of music until high school. And at that point, it was just like, I don't know, it was like the cartel and Death Cab for Cutie yeah. and... Yeah, Kings of Leon, and yep. you know, like now. Yeah. Oh no, no, no that's, that's not what I thought. Um, what's that? That girl that you used to in your uh, the dragon? Oh, little dragon. Like yeah, just like all all that stuff and like gospel music. Like I was just like so in love with just like you know as a drummer, obviously, like just the chops that these guys had and, and, and the well, stuff pff, that they did. It, it's it's gospel musicians and Nashville players. Yeah. They're yeah. they're tough to beat, man. Yeah. Um, those Memphis fellas and, too. And how many, you know, I had a actually my very first podcast I ever did was was one of my best friends who's in my band. Uh Rachel, she's a pastor and she's a phenomenal musician. PK, pastor's kid. Oh, yeah. And our whole discussion was is, you know, um so many music, prolific musicians even today come from the church. Why don't they stay in the church? Do, why, do, why do people have to leave the church to find uh, artistic uh, designation and success and whatever? Did you guys both grow up? Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think about that? We're taking a complete left turn here, but well, you know, let, like, let's, let's yeah. talk about, because listen, I don't, people who, I, you know, we have a pretty, on the little that I've done this podcast, we have a pretty broad spectrum of listeners. And listeners, we're going to have to accept the fact that there is a uh, a cloak and dagger, a large amount of musicians out there yeah. and creatives that grew up in the church yeah. that you would never know. From the Beyonce's to the Bonos to Bieber to Usher, like yeah. the list goes on. And if they didn't grow up in church, they have a visceral response to church in another way. But you, no matter how you slice it, it touches the grain of a lot of people. Let's talk about that for a little well, bit. Well, I mean, let me just give, give my, I'll let Aaron take this because this yeah. is, this, you'll, you'll kill this one. <laughs> but I think all I'll say is I grew up in the United Church. Yep. Okay. And so I think what I want to get at is um, when we say that, you know, musicians growing up in the church, I think that there are so many different perspectives on that. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the Anglican Church versus growing up in the Pentecostal Church versus growing up in the United versus growing oh. up in the Baptist versus growing up in the I don't know Orthodox Church, these all mean very different things in how um, present and vis- visible the church is. Yes, some of these churches, I would include United, is a little bit less like in your um, less visual. You don't. They, they, uh, so my my experience at church, I grew up uh, at church camp. I worked at church camp. I directed two different church camps. I've worked in churches for 20 years, or, you know, how many, 20 years, and I've I've been involved in, in um, Anglican churches, Catholic churches, United churches, a little bit of Pentecostal churches, and they're all so different. So like a different street gang. Like just different totally different. And different sets yeah. of and different sets of values. And oh, yeah. Things. Well, maybe not values. That's not true. No, but there's a cultural divide between yeah, a lot of those. Right? Yeah. And so for, you know, when we say uh, a lot of musicians group in the church, I think there's lots who... Um, 
who you, uh, it, it doesn't um, necessarily play as big a role. It does in their own personal spiritual life, but it doesn't in the actual practice of their work. And, you know, even when we, you know, Aaron and I grew up in different churches, um, and we kind of, you know, we're on the page where it's like, we're not going to necessarily make, like, quote-unquote Christian music, but we're, we're putting in our values in the music. U2 does the same thing. Exactly. It's a perfect example. They, they seamlessly etch yeah. Their spirituality and without being preachy and obnoxious. And yeah. you know, Bono's pretty prolific that way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Exactly. I'd even... Uh, who's another example? I can't think of one. Richard Ashcroft is a pretty spiritual guy. Yeah. There's there's a lot of them out there. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree So what do you me. think, Aaron? Well, I, and, and just you come from the perspective of also being the offspring of a pastor. Yeah. So you've got like, you Super know... Fun. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I loved it. Like, I mean, I love my parents to death. They're, sure. They're sweet people. Um, I think that there's so many because the opportunity was there. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of like drop in centers. There's not a right. lot, you know, and not everybody can afford That's a, a great set point. of drums. Not everybody can afford a guitar, but man, if you like That's a great go point. to youth group on right. a Friday night or you, you know, are, are there on a Tuesday night or, you know, Sunday morning, whatever that is, it's like there's actual opportunity for people to, great to, point. to learn. And, and I think that's why there is so many people. You know, and <laughs> you think of like even in America, like what black gospel music is. And like I took a, a course at, at York University and I am by no means a, a pro at any of this, but it's like it was just it was community. You know, it was it was neighborhoods. It was it was everything like you. You grew up in a community and your community had a church and. And that's where the kids got together, and that's where they created, and that's where they had this this uh, outlet for art. And I, I think that that's why you see so many numbers, especially in North America. I don't I don't necessarily know Europe uh, European culture too well or anything like that, but definitely North America. Like even Toronto, like all the guys in Toronto are playing like Larnell and a lot of guys um, and a lot of Christians in Toronto. Yeah, man. like all all the dudes. Larnell Lewis. Yeah, I think about drummers and stuff like you know the Weekends drummer. What's uh, what's his name? It's Larnell's brother. Um, everybody that is playing music uh, at that that level, these like superstar artists from Canada, man, like their whole bands, gospel musicians, you know, and I think that that's great. And yeah. why your your original question was like, why why do they leave the church or why you know? I, I mean, it's it so it's a pretty no, it's a pretty obvious question. I mean, there's there's a ceiling at the church. You know, you can either hope to find success as a Christian artist. Canada, it's virtually impossible. But like, yeah. there's there's that route, and having marginal success, unless you're like the point one percent that right. you know. Um, and I think there's more of a draw to yeah. And I think growing up in something for 25 years or so, you're ready for a change. Yeah, and I think too like. I say I that humbly, like that's a, that, that's that's a pretty reckless thing to say. Not a change, but like finding out what else you got in that engine and yeah. testing it out in a different yeah. thing. And I think too, like I, I don't necessarily know that this is a bad thing, but I think that there are a lot of like restraints in yes. what you can say and what you can do within your music within the walls of of the church. Like mm -hmm. if we're talking about like you know corporate like sorry like worship or, or whatever, there's there's only so many. Th things that you can say yes and i think that a lot of people want to express themselves beyond that and i, th I think that that's why you do see so mm -hmm. many you know people yeah, i mean I, you know there's a whole conversation but doing doing art for the sake of art yeah. doing a project yeah. that is art because of art yeah and then that's having not that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to separate you 
yeah. from the other things that you are. And also there's importance in recognizing that sometimes worship should doesn't have, uh, you know, sometimes an artist wants to de- deliberate between what their worship is, right. what spiritual worship is for them, and not what their job is. And keep it separate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they want this to be yep. their, this close relationship without going too deep. But, you know, having that closeness. Don't be in your own pool. <laughs> so do you, pee your own pool. do you find, I mean, I, when I, I know that when I, a lot of the, like Rachel and myself, like we, we are a songwriting team. We have really great synergy with each other. Like a similar scenario with you guys. Like we can shoot down an idea and, and you laugh. Like it's, it's easy. Um, but we found that when we were like, you know, playing in Toronto and talking to record labels and doing the whole thing, they're like, yeah, so we you know, where did you guys cut your teeth as musicians and as writers? And like, well, you know, we all went to church and, and there was this, this like, oh, oh, like the kind of like a, a, well, that doesn't really count. Have you come across any kind of that, that attitude that, that where you got your chops from early on wasn't seen as quite well, as... because both of Aaron and I did get our chops. I didn't say that earlier, but a huge part of how I learned piano chords, yeah. I should have said this in my first story, but like I, I learned from church as well. Yeah. It was a different... It was still contemporary worship. It was a little bit different. You know, when a you know, church does things a little bit more simple, but it was still like, you know, I learned how to read chords simply by being at church. So I just wanted to be clear that Aaron and I have that same experience of growing up um, in, in and learning through community how to play our instruments and like how to get kind of like mm-hmm. functionally a, like literate. adequate, literate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know about, I don't know, what do you think? I haven't necessarily experienced it, but I, I definitely know that, you know, it can be taboo uh, for a lot of people um, when you're interacting like within. It's a polarizing industry. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I, personally, like, it's not necessarily that a, a topic too frequently of like how I cut, you know, how we cut our teeth yeah. or whatever. We we have music that is the music that we have, and that's kind of the showcase in mm-hmm. in and of itself. Okay, so we'll do a complete quantum leap from that serious left turn. Um, thank you for going there with me and humoring me on that. Um, so if 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 you were if you were forced at gunpoint to choose being artists or being producers, what would you pick? Jeez, I mean, oh, I feel like your answer might be different. Yeah, I think so. I think my answer would be artist and yours would be producer. But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. Okay, here's why that's ridiculous. Is because <laughs> here's why that's wrong. Here's why I can't answer that. Because as an artist, I want to produce my music. Like, uh, do you mean like as? So you're behind the board and you're you're steering musicians and producing their album. You are not working on your own art. Yes. Producer for you, Aaron? No, I just wanted to throw it back to the one one word. The one answer. word, yes. <laughs> no, I I mean I think I don't have an answer. I think uh, I would feel like I was muted if I didn't get to write the things that I want to write and the things that I get excited about writing with Aaron. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, if we were in the produced production house, if we I think we would be unfulfilled if we were exclusively writing for other people and producing for other people. Yeah. Good answer. And I, I can say, like, even when I was doing that touring and stuff, um, playing Wicked shows, playing with some of, like, my favorite bands that I listened through, high school and stuff, it was incredible experience and really fun, but I never felt like I could take pride in, like, right. this is my thing. It was always, like, you know, people would, like, Played one show. It was really cool. We played like Canada Day out in Surrey, in uh, Vancouver, and there was like over a hundred thousand people there. And it was you know wicked cool bands. And I played, and then I went out and watched. I think it was like Blue Rodeo on after us, and I watched them. And people were 
like, oh, can I get a photo? And I was like, why? I'm just a session player. This I'm just watching Jim Cuddy, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like having our own... My first concert. <laughs> yeah. love, I love Blue Rodeo. Yeah. They're great. But yeah, no, I, I think having, having our own project is what is fulfilling to me. Yep. Yeah, and so, you know, it's... Ex- we have these seasons where we find ourselves focused on one. It, it's just fascinating, man. We, we knew going into this fall that we can't get into it today, but there's just beautiful things going, and there's beautiful things coming, mm-hmm. and we knew that there was this the new energy after we finished our last project that we produced for another artist, and we find ourselves in these pockets where we'll, we'll be in a moment of... I keep hitting the table now. I'm recognizing it. We keep uh, <laughs> you know, we're going into these pockets where we, we're in love with what we're doing. We love producing an artist and we get excited by it, but what that excitement is doing is informing what we're going to do next for us. So I don't think it's like we, I don't think, you know, you think about the biggest producers. Can you name any producers, like since Quincy Jones, who've only produced, right? All these producers are now making music for themselves as well. Jack Antonoff, you know, even Sia was writing for other people and then she put out Chandelier, which was that huge song, or uh, Kevin Parker, you know, mm. or or Mark Ronson. All these got these huge producers are also now realizing that they've got enough enough to say that they should be saying their own their own thing too. Uh, Kanye did the same thing. <laughs> he did beats forever, exactly. and suddenly he became Kanye West. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bob Rock's the only guy that has thirty years behind him of being. He was in uh, Rock and High. They had some some okay. hits in the eighties. He's primarily just producer, but yes, I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it's like I don't think I could imagine a world where I do one or the other, and it's and and that that conversation goes deeper into what I've I've had through my whole life is like you know I've been I, I how do I say it like I've been able to choose between classical or, or production, right? Mm-hmm. So another one of the the, the music's the 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 styles of music that I love that we didn't get to is classical music. You know that's some. I'll, I'll steep in a symphony, and I will, I will learn that in my head, and I'll be, and I would be able to go in front of an orchestra and conduct it. I love it. And so, uh, you know, I, I, having that conducting ex- that education taught me how to lo- how to love classical music. And so, you know, for me, there's always been this this, and Aaron knows this. For me, uh, there's always been this this conflict between: do I do I pursue conducting? Do I pursue cl- like classical music? Which I could very well do, uh, in today's age. I, I, you know, I have the experience and the education and the contacts, and or do I do I do this or do I do both? Oh, you're not even thirty. I'm not even thirty, dude. Take it from a guy that's lived multiple lives. Yeah. You got time, and and that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying yeah. to do, right? Yeah. I have my church. I got a really good job at this new church. Well, it's not a new church. Church for, for you, me. yeah. In fact, it's the oldest church in Canada, but went, cool, yeah. Uh, St. Saint, George's Anglican, and it's a beautiful music program. And I get to work with gorgeous musicians and work on beautiful repertoire, and that keeps me fulfilled, fulfilled in that intellectual way that that production engages in another way, right? And so that goes into the production recording or artist thing. It's like, why don't we just do both? You know, I, I was, I had this uh, God given aha moment, I believe, where I, where I had this knowing that my life would be busy doing three major things, creating, communicating, and encouraging people. Mm-hmm. So like you, if any of those, if all of those pistons are firing simultaneously and they're all very different looking, I'm the happiest guy in the world. Totally. So like, I'm with you on that. Do it all, man. Even my little boy's like, dad, I want to do so many things. I'm like, I know, and you will yeah. do it, yeah. do it. I, I, I'm a believer that you can do more than one thing really well. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I couldn't do one thing. 
Yeah. No, no, no. No. I, Same. Yeah. I just, and I don't think that's what I'm called to do. And I don't think that's what we're called to do. No. We're finding ways. We know we've done a film score in the last year. We, you know, we're, we're thinking about like how to involve cinematography into our record. We're, we're always looking for new ways to create. I think that's what we do as artists. And that being said, like, I think also, you know, gone are the days where you can sit as a session player in a bar and, and play and make a living. Like, you can't just do one thing anymore. Like, we live yeah. in a world where you need you to have hustle, like, man. six to ten irons and yeah. different fires. Like, uh, yeah, just, I, I bought a piece of gear off a, a guy in Burlington that uh, moved back home for a time because of COVID, but he's actually based in Nashville. He's a session guy. And uh, he's making a living doing music, but he's hustling yeah. hard. Uh, so we're we're getting down to the last half hour. How are you guys doing for time? You okay? So we'll do we'll do start doing uh, some fanciful questions and Whoa. and, and uh, do the fire around quickly. Though, are you always listening to music? I'm constantly listening to music. Is it always on? Yes. No. No, it's not for me. Really. No, for me, when I when I'm at the studio all day, I'll listen. I'll won't listen to music in the car. You I, have fatigue. I find myself listening to music when I'm cooking. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's about it. Like, I honestly, you know what? I li- I find new music a decent amount when I'm driving. Sometimes in the morning, mm-hmm. but after a day in the studio, there's no no chance You're done. of putting on music. You're done. For me, it's it it comes and goes. Like right now, I'm super thankful to be in a season where like all I want to do is just like listen and just consume everything. Like it's, um, I don't know. Maybe it's because my wife's in Nova Scotia right now and I'm here and I'm just like (laughs) sad boy. Like music can a lot of times be a crutch for me, like an emotional crutch. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I need to have in Mm -hmm. order to like survive. Um, that being said, like the last almost two years I was so tired of music yeah. that I I had I haven't listened to music and I'm I'm only like maybe two months into a phase where like it's all I want to do right mm-hmm. so it's it, it's it, you know I'll have times where it's like the only thing I can ever do is and want to do is listen to music and then there's times where it's like I for months I just don't want to listen right. to anything because I'm just so tired of it right so yeah it, it yep that's fair <laughs> so you're given you're given a weekend worth of dates to play with the band of your choice to play some iconic songs in front of people at Wembley. Like my dream. What oh, band and what song would you want to be a part of? Okay, so we're talking like we would be playing with another band playing. Well, you're songs. you're sitting in with whatever band you can think of, and you are playing that part from that song. Wow. Give us a minute. For me? Yeah, give it yours. Oh, geez, Louise. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I would just be happy standing on stage with, with you two live while they get into, like, where the streets have no oh. name. Just put me near the speaker. I'm good. That would be, I've always been so fascinated by that song. Man. Well, wow. that, and what a story behind that song. Like, you know what it would be? It would be playing lead guitar and doing... Welcome to the jungle, the delay part oh, at a big stadium. So cool. That's yeah. That's the skit in me coming out. But anyway. I love it. Um Aaron, you got one? While your partner's thinking about it? Yeah. Um honestly, 
Mine's like never been, I've never really dreamed of like wanting to play with anybody really big. It's just like things that are accessible that I know I can do. That's more like where I fantasize. Okay. It sounds kind of lame, but oh. like I remember just graduating university and seeing like this tour that was happening it was Zurban and a guy that I knew was playing drums for them. And I remember like I was at my mom's house and I was like, I don't know why, but mom, I really am upset that I'm not playing this tour. And I had no relationship mm-hmm. to them. And then, you know, like two months later, I was touring with them. Amazing. It's just really interesting and funny. Can I hop on that? Yeah. Be- before I was daydreaming about playing, you know, big shows when I was in grade nine learning how to play guitar, yeah. I would sit and play air guitar to like bare naked ladies and pretend I was good enough to play with my uncles at a family gathering. Right. Oh, that it. was my first like level of... You know, the first boss of a video game. It's like, I, I gotta, I, that's, that's, that's my first thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, and it obviously it happened and surpassed them. And, but it's, it, isn't it funny though? Like the, the, the different tiers of dreams yeah. that you have. You got something yet there, yeah. Brad? Yeah, for sure. I'd like to say I have graduated from there, but it's, it's still not like, <laughs> yeah, you know. too big. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, the truth is, you know, I have two answers for you because the, you know, maybe this is cheesy, but like, part of me wants to play. You know, part of me doesn't want to want to sit in on another band because I love what they do. Mm-hmm. That sounds cheesy, but what it means is I'd rather go watch and then also play that show our music. So, if that's a silly answer, that's what me what me what I'm trying to say is I was thinking about how cool it would be to like sit in for somebody like like Billy, right. sit, sit in with Billy's band and like literally sing like one of his big songs or like. Sit in for Elton John's band. Bill, El, Elton John or Billy Joel? Billy Joel. No, no, but Billy Joel. Okay. That's my answer. <laughs> All right. Billy Joel. <laughs> Unequivocally. I love Elton. Yeah. But he doesn't write his lyrics, and Billy's lyrics are poetry. So just saying. Yeah. And also, Billy Joel, I just, I love the whole style. And, you know, there's like little moments of inspiration, like in our new record. It's like there's those moments are like, oh, that could be, that's like, that's like, like old 70s piano vibe right. that we're going to go after a little bit at times. And it smells like New York a little bit. Oh, it smells a little bit like New yeah, York. Yeah, we, gotcha. got, we got the brass in there. But for me, I think, um, the idea for me, like I had a dream today. I had a dream. My last dream was uh, playing a big show. And it was us. And I didn't. <laughs> I just want to say, he went home at four and fell asleep. I and fell this asleep. is when he had his You had dream. a nap dream. I had, I had a 45 minute nap. And in that nap, nope. I had to get ready for this big show. So. <laughs> and, I'm honored. And I had a little dream of. That's why I said it was a dream today, not not this one. And uh, we, it was like some sort of beautiful event, and I remember just feeling like so so overwhelmed with it, with happiness and and not anxious about it. We've played so many varieties of shows. No. We've played it all, right? I mean, uh, maybe not all, but we've played a lot of shows that are un- maybe undesirable. Um, That's a whole other conversation that oh, we can have. Is, is bad shows. <laughs> <laughs> Just you want to hear one? You want to hear a quick yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Aaron and I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're about to say. Well, I'm just like nervous. whatever. We just played a burger joint, and a burger was, joint. There was six bands on the set on the on the lineup. That's like five hours of music. Oh, and we were the last band, so there was like maybe one, two people there at the end, and it was in an out of town show. And uh, oh my we're not going to say anything more because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> it was like it was like these sixteen year old like kids who lived in like suburbs that were like 
doing like hardcore trap music. Yeah. And then like we're supposed to play like our like. Oh, but that's not the worst. Like, what am I doing on this bill? Oh, They're so going to lynch weird. me. Yeah. So it was that. Then it was an EDM with a violinist person. Then it was a folk singer, just him. And then there was like this like Caribbean band or something, and then there was us. So it was like you, you couldn't think of a word. We played a show in like old Mon- old Montreal. We had to climb eighty ancient steps to get to the gig and hump all of our gear. We 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 waited like eight hours for diff- multiple multiple sets. Place was packed. We're like, yeah, we're gonna play a good show. It's gonna be worth this drive. Our our road manager got his cocaine addict habit back. Oh, abandoned no. us. We get on stage, the place, it's like a vacuum. And no one was left except for one of our friend's wife and one other friend. And we're like, we're done. We played three songs. And like, oh, you still have uh, 20 minutes. And said, like, nope, we're done. And they're like, it was, it was demoralizing. Have we, ever done that? have we ever played a zero person show? Yeah, but it hasn't felt so bad because the other bands usually stick around. Yeah. Yeah, you no, know, that didn't like... happen for us. Anyway, so I, I digress. So Billy Joel... Yeah, perhaps, but like you know, uh, but also you know, how cool would it be to be on stage with Michael Jackson back? In oh the day? my God! So listen, like, I, I'm talking too much already in my own. I'm, it's about you like, guys, but I was around for Michael. Yeah. So like, there was like my mom who who was like the Jackson Five era. Oh yeah. But like, I was there when Thriller and Woo! Beat It oh. off the wall. Yes, off the like, wall. Like there, yes. there's never been another Michael. Like it was the Elvis Beatle thing. Yeah. Like when you saw Michael come on TV, my heart went, "Oh my God, it's Mike! It's Michael!" Yeah, I had the glove, I had the leather jacket, yeah. I did the Billie Jean dance at my mom's wedding in 1984. Oh. I played Michael Jackson in a school pageant. Yeah, Michael was a was a god. Yeah. and my first concert was the Jackson Five in no 1983 way. at the what? CNE. Yeah, the State of Shock tour. We didn't have oh. jumbotrons then. I was so pissed off. I'm like, "Where's Michael? I can't see what Michael looks like. His blurry head Where's with Michael? like, yeah." But uh, yes, yes, the Michael Jackson thing would have been, yeah, being like, like the band Toto being his backup band. What really? Toto was his backup band. You're kidding. Me. Cheryl Crow was his backup singer. You're kidding me. And he's like, "You're too good to not be not you're being artist." I have going through this Cheryl Crow. Okay, I don't, Cheryl Crow rocks. She's man. on the moon. Like I've heard the song, the one that everybody. Uh, it if it makes oh. you. She's singing her ass off on this one. Recently, a couple times, like, um, okay, that is a true banger, and that's who like Madison Cunningham really sounds like. She's like yeah. the new. As soon as you can listen, this is her second album. I think it's the Globe Sessions. Okay, maybe not. Uh, this song called Home. Home. It's very good. It's a black and white cover. Cool. She's 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 a real one. Yeah, really truly. Um, I like these these fanciful questions because I, I I like I'm still a ten year old kid who likes to daydream about yeah. crazy things. Uh, if you could, uh, I ask this question all the time. If you could, if you could get the real version of a celebrity musician or any any, any musician and get the real altruistic version of them over a weekend and spend time with them, not write with them, not play with them, get to know them. Who would you love to spend time with? I for actors, I said Kurt Russell, cool. <laughs> uh, or Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, cool! And I also think Brad Pitt would be a phenomenal hang. Be fun <laughs> uh, musicians. I've actually haven't thought through that too much. Um, again, I keep. I think I'd love to hang out with Daniel Lanois. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, that's tough. It is a tough question. Let me think about that. Uh, you know, there's some Canadian artists that I think would be really nice, to, like 
cool to, to get to, get like to know. Like who? Like the whole broken social scene. Group? He's coming. Kevin's coming on the show. No way. Yeah, I got to know him. It's. I'm not going to get him in person. It's been. Yeah. I've been talking to him for about a year, but that's. We're we're trying to get this Zoom cool. aspect down. So he's going to awesome. do a Zoom thing, but. I got to know him through Dark Horse Days in oh, Toronto. Yeah, and he's, he's a sweetheart. Cool. And he was the first person I asked for my Toronto days. He's like, yeah, man, I was stunned he said yes. Oh, that's great. But, uh, yeah, broken social scene. Yeah, they're just, I don't know, there's this Toronto. I, I, I lived in Toronto for, for a few years. I studied there. And, and uh, I just feel like, you know, it's a, it's a decent city. It's, it's, it's not my total favorite city. I, I like the city. I used to love it. And now I just love being here. Uh, I just love the change of pace. But there's this community of musicians that I really do look up to, like, them and like the the, the star whole stars yeah. team metric you know, metric that all era feist all those feist girls, that era all those i mean feist is probably the best voice of our, of our whole he he brought kevin brought feist into dark horse the, the espresso bar i was working at aaron's got some stories about feist and uh i was i had a playlist playing and she's like this is your playlist i'm like yeah and we, were, we, we talked like briefly about music yeah and i i was scared of her she had this like imposing strength about her this is what of her i was like man i don't want to mess with this chick but it was it was she was a force yeah you have some fight stories yeah i was in la um doing some writing sessions and i was at it's called smiling tiger it's a little cafe i've heard of it yeah it's great it's really nice and i didn't i just sat down i don't know people's faces i don't hardly know their names you know and we just, I just started talking to this girl and we were having some conversations and, you know, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm writing music. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm doing a record right now, living down here. Oh, cool. Um, and then, like, she's just, like, she's just, like, really fun. Like, she wasn't, like, flirting with me, but, you know, I was just like, hey, could you pass me the sugar, sugar? And, yeah. like, just, like, you know, like, really, like, whatever. And it was good. And then I, I found out someone asked to take a photo with her and I was like, oh, okay, advised. right on. And then the next day, uh, I was I was sitting out in the cafe, and she came in, and she's like, "Hey, can I sit with you?" And we, she sat right down. And we just like, yeah, it was just. It's They're nice. just people, man. Yeah, yeah. It was the biggest thing. My biggest time in Toronto. Toronto was very good to me. It wasn't home. I'm with you. I, was, I learned a lot in Toronto, but we had so many celebrities coming through that espresso bar that yeah, yeah just, if you just treated them like people, man, they they would like let you in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, one other quick question I want to ask as 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 music fans as music lovers, um, I'll go first. I want to talk about music that's happening simultaneously with cinematic moments that have rocked you. Oh. Um, I'm going to say the national with the, the with during the scene and yeah, the two brothers are fighting in Warrior. Have you guys seen that? No, oh, I haven't. Bl- Promise me you'll watch that movie. Yeah. I, okay, I'm not even going to give it away then. But um, I, I, I can watch it a million times. And the song they're playing versus what's happening on screen yeah. makes no sense. But it is a triumph. You have to watch. Wow. Promise me. Promise me. Yeah. You'll watch Warrior. it. Warrior. Uh, uh, Tom Hardy's in it. Okay. Nick Nolte. I have seen it. Yeah, and Joel Egerton's yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, just watch that scene again. Anyway, yeah. so that, that, that rocks my world. Can you think of any... Music and cinema that um, Jurassic Park for me, baby. <laughs> we were talking about it today. Da, 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 we were just singing this. Yeah. Like, okay, but like if I can be frank, I was gonna also say, I was gonna also say, you were like, who would you want to hang out with? John Williams is one of the people I want to hang yeah. out with. Yeah, uh, I'm fascinated. How rich is that guy? 
He's one of the Are you kidding me? He's 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 won more Grammys than anybody on. He Mars. must have more money than Paul McCartney. No, he doesn't. I, Paul, we just looked. I looked up the other day. Paul McCartney has one point two bill. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. I'm doing a deep dive of Paul right now. Do you know who the richest musician in the world is? You'll never guess. Uh, is it a Bollywood? That's a good guess, but no. Pitbull. No, that's pretty good. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. Really? Yeah. Really? Like the guy who wrote Cats. You know that he owns Broadway. Well, for every performance, <laughs> he has 1.3 billion. He's the richest musician in the world. I didn't know that. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber. He has all the rights to a whole of Broadway Street. Okay, all those theaters. He wrote. What did he do? Cats. Everything. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, these are huge. And, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Superstar yep. Evita. Yes. So, so we're talking. That's the richest. But if I was going to say with about John Williams is that like I like I like I told you earlier, like classical music is such a big part. He's the last. Of the film composers mm-hmm. who are true class- classicists. Okay. Barry McCreary? No? I uh, don't know who that is. Pastor Galatska. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Outlander. Well, what I, all I mean by that, I'm not I'm not even saying it as a diss or not because there's amazing composers. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, uh, Hans Zimmer is brilliant. Yeah. But he's not a classicist and he doesn't sit at the piano and with his, with his pencil write what his brain really? says. Really? He sits at the computer and makes it that way, and hears sounds. He's a, he's a he's a he's a technician. He's an engineer. Whereas John Williams is is like a composer, an, an, an academic composer, right? Who studied all the greats. He knows form. You know, he's and I think about him all the time. Like man, he's getting old. And like think about all of those. Those those melodies, all of Harry Potter, all of like Superman, all of For, Indiana Jones. Forget Jaws. about the, the obvious ones. Like think about the score from like Saving Private Ryan oh, or Band of Brothers. Yes, I don't know if he did Band of Brothers, no, but he did Saving Private Ryan. But though. but like, come on, the guy is. It, and you know what? He sounds inherently American. There's an Americana sound to him. He sounds like he sounds like Barber and he, Samuel Barber, and he sounds like uh, um, uh, what's the other guy? Uh, oh my gosh, I forget. Anyways, he has that Americana sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, Aaron Copeland. That's okay. the American composer that he sounds like. But uh, for me, I was going to say one of the, because, you know, you talk about music and film, but for me, those those moments come from the score writers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, really good syncs that, like, pop music has, like, the most amazing imp- implementation in film. But for me, some of the best moments are the composers who just blow me away. And one of them is Dunkirk. <laughs> and he knew I was going to say this because... Uh, you know, Aaron and Aaron, I mean, our, our friend Peter, we went to see the movie and we, we were so blown away by it. And Aaron wasn't there and he got, he, he kind of got spoiled and they ruined the whole plot. And they're like, you can't ruin history, bro. You should already know. But he's still watching a principal. But what they do in that, not the shepherd's tone. That's not the, what I, what I was so excited about is I was listening to this score and I was, uh, Mesmerized because I knew it. It almost felt like he was cheating. And I went home that day and I was like, "This, it, it, it's." I, while we were watching, I was like, "Peter's like, what is this right now? It's blowing my mind. I can't tell what's going on, but like, I know what's. Going, I know this. There was something familiar in the melodies. You mean like you knew? It wasn't. <laughs> it was so deeply innate. It was like I didn't. And there's an there's an answer coming. But I did. It wasn't necessarily the melody. Well, the melody was there, but it was so. Like foggy, it was like I was seeing a familiar picture through fog, like a third eye experience. Yeah, it was like this surreal experience. So I went doing home. DMT. Yeah, I wasn't doing any. I swear, not that night. No, I'm just kidding. No, and I swear, I I got home, 
And I looked up the score, and I was like, what's, what, what, what? And I, then it clicked, and I saw. Or maybe I realized in the theater later on, what he took was, a, so the, obviously Dunkirk's based in France going to England. Mm-hmm. During World War II, there was a piece of English choral music, or English classical music that was the greatest, it was the piece of patriarchal, no, not patriarchal, sorry, patri- patriotic mm-hmm. music that was, it, it, it was so big, and so recognized as the English music okay. that it was used as the C, that the as the BBC um, really little like bumper music little like da, yeah. Da, da. Yeah, yeah and the, the music it's it's from Elgar his name is and he's a very if you heard it you go oh of course I know that so he weaved it in he but what, the way he weaved it in Rocky is that he took it and he stretched it huh. he stretched Jeez. it so strangely. That it was the chords overlapping each other. So instead of going, it was. And then a note underneath. And it was, he stretched all the chords out and overlapped them that it was so subtle. Mm. And it built and built and built and it gave me, I'm getting shivers thinking about it. That's impressive. The good, good audio palette, man. Oh, yeah. I could hear it, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. (laughs) I remember going, what is this? What is this? And no one would know. You're in rare error at that point. Yeah, and I looked it up. I was like, yes. It's speaking of the visceral moments of listening to music. When I I listen to anything by Mario Puzo, like from The Godfather or. or, Yeah, I just watched all three. Yeah, or um, Puccini. Beautiful. I can smell my grandfather's cigarettes and his wine. Oh, I love it. So my grandfather, Sam, who I, we live in his home, my son's named after him, oh. he would lie in the dark on the floor and he would smoke a cigarette and listen to Puccini. And I can still see the red heater of the cigarette. And he wasn't a smoker. He, yeah. he, he, was, a, he was like a handsome man. He smokes like a, like a movie star. Once at night, that was it. And you'd see the rise and fall of the smoke and the oh. red heater of the cigarette in the dark room. And and now, whenever I smell smoke or wine or food, pasta, or like here Puccini, it's the same thing. It's this, the score. It's I'm I'm there. I'm there again. It's 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 amazing. I love it. And, and you know what? I think that's that's a good, not quite an ending point, but I think that's kind of the point of this conversation is how music permeates everything. It's it's the greatest thing on earth, next to love and and being. You know, family and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I defy anybody to find something better than what music can do. I mean, you say, you say it's the most important thing other than family and love. And what this conversation has really taught us, maybe, is that it, you know, in our circumstance, it is family. Yeah. And it is love. Quite literally. And, and, and yes, a resounding yes. And you know what? I'm, I'm proud of this session simply for the fact that i feel like we've we've de- we've defined and defended a position that says that very thing as we wind down we're at the 10 minute mark um i want to know uh as much as you can legally talk about uh what you're currently working on what you're proud of right now and what what to expect in the, in the coming days from uh, family of things yeah so i mean we already talked quickly about uh this album that has been written concept for eps 16 songs full record a couple of bonus tracks in there um that has been something that we've been trying to get to for the last well six months at least six months i mean it was written a year ago right so put that in context it it was i got my heart broken literally today oh my gosh was it today 
It was today a year ago. Oh my God, are you serious? It was the day after Labor Day. Wow. Wow. That's a nice Happy anniversary. That's a nice uh, roundabout. <laughs> yeah. So so let's keep that in mind. This is we call this we're gonna call this podcast cathartic. cathartic. Catharsis with family of things. Yeah, that's great. So anyway. Wow. Wow, that's big man. You 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 came through it. I certainly did. More than just came wow. through it. Wow, okay. That's very, very cool. Okay. Spooky. Spooky almost. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a dark rainy night here uh-huh. at St. James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flies are out. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've been trying to get to it, and things have just gotten pretty busy for us as producers, and so we just have not found the time. I personally, I, I moved, I, my wife and me, we bought a house out in Nova Scotia, and so, you know, it took two months to go do that. I'm back now. We're working with um, a good, well, a good friend of Brad's. I'm hoping to get on the show, by the way, the girl I met. Yeah, you yeah. should. She's yeah. super cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you are based in Nova Scotia now? Yeah, uh, it wasn't the plan initially, but it's just kind of how. Happy for you, but I'm not happy for you. I'll be back planning. Okay. You know, we, we got, got too much work from yeah. gone too much. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. we're we're gonna yeah. So back and forth. Back so, and forth. Yeah, so so the the length the the lengthy waiting had to do more with getting your busy lives to kind of land that, on the same thing. Yeah, we were you know we were producing this other artist, and and now that we're back, we're working with Amy, and she's you know, her music's great. I awesome. cannot wait to, awesome. to get deeper and deeper into that that record and, and the process of making that um so that's that's kind of something that we're doing right now um you know we we're i i, I don't want to say too much but we're kind of just in in conversation about how we with another company how we how we can uh, make some some of this music of our own as well as um, in like a record label uh kind of okay yeah cool. yeah <laughs> so we're, we're we're talking through some potentials and you know just seeing what will happen but the goal either way is i think this winter uh to really dive into Amazing. into that record uh even potentially sooner than that we'll, we might have another song so, or so out. it'll be on all the major platforms available yeah. to get so you're at the absolute latest when do you think people can start downloading content well maybe just like i'm not, like you said we can't say much but like there'll be something out close sooner than you might think cool. <laughs> cool. something really soon Cool. It's going to be coming out, uh, and uh, we very shortly we'll probably be able to talk about it. Yeah, but it's fun that we can't right now. Cool. So, but just keep your eyes open, everyone. Cool. Um, so I never have a hard time trying to think what I'm going to say. Oh, sorry. Thank you for socials. Uh, what's the best way for people to check you guys out in terms of all things? Yeah, I hate social. <laughs> we, we both do. But yeah. fam, fam, uh, Instagram, fam of things, is probably where we, we, we post things the most. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, Spotify, Apple Music. Yeah, Spotify, okay. Apple Music. I mean, I feel like Spotify's kind of... Yeah, yeah. and we have we have a decent amount of music videos. Uh, you do? Yeah, check yep. text on YouTube, and uh, yeah. and there'll be some maybe some more stuff coming. Uh, sidebar, I really enjoyed your your live off the floor uh, studio stuff. Thank it was you. shot beautifully, Thank and it's you. very very nice. That's from our, our good friend and colleague and just collaborator Mark Klassen. Right on, very very cool. Well, you know, I I uh, it's tough when you talk to kindred spirits that you could go and go and go. But yeah. I, I hope to have you guys on again when the the, the music's been released. Mm-hmm. And it has a little bit of uh, travel time underneath it and talk about how it's treating you guys. Um, the band is Family of Things. Uh, Aaron Brown, Bradley Barnum, thank you so much for bearing your souls with us tonight. 
and thank you to everybody who's listening to episode 11 of the Rocket Talkie podcast. And uh, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but for those of you on YouTube, uh, if you want to officially join the conversation, please uh, click that subscribe button. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Um, um, but yeah, smash that button. It's your boy, Rocky. Um, but uh, please keep uh, uh, your eyes and ears posted for more content. And uh, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It was really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it.